Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Hey, Sam, it is good to see you. I feel like it's been forever since we've chatted. It actually has been forever. That's why you feel like that. We have been, I feel like, parallel partnering is what I would call it. We've both been running on our own track trying to accomplish a million things because we're idiots and we took vacations back to back and I think then subsequently spent the last however long trying to catch up on that. Well, I think we thought at first we're smart. You know, it's summertime and normally in our business holiday end of year and summer are the slower seasons. People are focused more on family. And we thought, well, if we do them back to back, then we won't be out at the same time. There'll be office coverage. We'll be good to go. Well, I think it's number one, it's been slammed way busier than we anticipated for summertime. Secondly, the Monday that you left we onboarded our director of sales administration. So that uh, kept me pretty busy. And then you <laughs> came back and then I left the same day. So we have been two ships passing in the night for sure. I like how you say we, we brought on. I was uh, sending my buns in the Bahamas, busy swimming <laughs> with pigs and, and doing whatever else. And you were busy putting out fire after fire after fire. You're like, <laughs> you didn't know you were a firewoman, did you? <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I think it was a good reminder of why I 1000% wanted a business partner and am so appreciative of you because I definitely couldn't do this without you. I could do this without you, I think, but um, I would probably go to jail for not paying my taxes. I would do so many illegal things with just reporting and doing different things that are like, that actually isn't something we're supposed to do. I would probably have my files all laying all over my desk and not in a CRM or in a file system at all, and I would go bonkers. So I guess what I mean is I could not do this without you at least not long-term for more than like a <laughs> quarter of business. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're a good compliment to each other for sure. Amen to that. And I think part of like bringing on all these people and doing all this stuff is that I just can't believe that we're heading into quarter four. I was looking at things and trying to really digest how all of this is going to go. And it, I'm like, are we really – heading into Q4 of business, it just seems crazy that that's where we're going to go. So the end of the year is upon us and it's really hard to believe that we've been doing this together, you know, this long already. I know. Well, and I think the challenge for me living in the South, it is still hot outside, but then I see all these advertisements <laughs> for, you know, fall clothing and there's Halloween stuff in all of my grocery stores. And it's just wild to think that right before we know it, we are going to be in that final quarter of the year. I know. And it's kind of been crazy because I I don't know about you. I do know a little bit about you because we talk about it, but the economy seems to be shifting. We're having conversations that we just really weren't having last year. 
And I think that, you know, surrounding all of those different things, last year we talked a lot about COVID, COVID rebounding. Will brick and mortar ever come back? You know, all of the the things that now just, I, I don't want to say COVID is fully in in the rearview mirror, but it sure feels like it. And it feels like mm-hmm. forever ago that those were our concerns. But now I think there's this different set of things, some based on on the pandemic, but other things based on the economy and different segments of business that we're having right now that we just weren't having last year. Yeah, I mean, the conversation definitely has shifted. I think the first quarter that we were in business, we showed virtually nothing in brick and mortar. And now I am showing brick and mortar all day, every day. People are not afraid of brick and mortar. And I think the other thing that I try to be really candid with my clients about on every call is the fact that, you know, business ownership is hard. There are going to be challenges. And I always hate when there are consultants that act like every business is perfect and the brand tries to claim everything's (laughs) going to be easy. And you and I have had a lot of laughs and glasses of wine over even our own hardships. You know, we've run into challenges, we've made wrong hires, we've chosen the wrong CRM. So, Business ownership can be hard, but you really try to hone in on, okay, what makes for a good franchisor and how will they support me well and how can they help me overcome certain things? And so when identifying a good franchisor, like you said, before people were focused on how will they help me get through COVID? Will I be able to be open? Am I classified as an essential business? Those were things that we're discussing. But really what we're discussing now, I think, has changed. First and foremost, something I hear just about every day is around hiring. I don't know about you, but that's something I'm covering all the time. Amen. And, you know, when it comes to hiring, I think hiring people at any given time is going to be challenging. Having good people is critical in a business. So there's a few things that I find myself doing when I think about identifying franchises that can help with hiring. Number one, I'm looking for opportunities that you have a smaller team, that you are not trying to recruit 50 employees to open your door. I think secondly, the thing that I'm looking at when I think about hiring and concepts I put in front of my clients, what are those differentiators? How is that franchise brand going to set themselves apart in a marketplace to not only recruit top talent, but also retain people. Of course, a piece of that that comes into play is around compensation. What are you paying people? But it is so much more than that. How are brands taking care of their team? That definitely plays a major role in terms of retention. You know, the other thing that comes up a lot, people will ask me, well, can the brand hire my employees for me? And franchise law dictates that the brand cannot hire your employees. But good franchisors will do everything that they legally can to provide support to you. Ideal candidate profiles, questions you may want to ask during an interview, sites that other franchisees have had success posting on, franchisees sharing their compensation model. So, really trying to give them real world feedback 
from a compensation standpoint. I think that's so important. And that's one thing that when we're talking to clients, I'm constantly advising is reach out to those franchisees via the validation process. Make sure that you're asking about those concerns because they're living it live. Where are they finding people? Is that an actual concern? Is that a story that you're telling yourself is a concern because you're hearing it all the time? What are people experiencing live in the world? And I think that's just really important for people to keep that, our clients to keep that fear in check as they're Mm -hmm. going through and really evaluating Is this actually a problem or is this a perceived problem because everybody around me tells me it's hard to find people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the other thing that I hear a lot is the word supply chain. And I think part of why I hear it so much. Supply chain. There's (laughs) enough of everything and it's cheap. It's all cheap, Brittany. (laughs) We have a surplus of stuff. (laughs) Well, and I think you and I hear it even more frequently because our husbands, that is their buzzwords. They are both in industries that relate to manufacturing and supply chain heavily. So not only do we hear it on client calls, we also hear it around the dinner table too. So that's one that definitely comes up. Yeah. And I completely am sensitive to that too. I, I just am having PTSD of hearing like, do we have enough sticks to supply Walmart with ice cream? <laughs> Literally physical wooden ice cream sticks. I'm like, how hard can those be to get? You got to buy those, brother. <laughs> but it's an actual concern for businesses right now. It is. It it totally is. So, you know, we really try to be aware and sensitive to that. So some of the things that I think about when I'm presenting brands with supply chain is, do they have exclusivity on a product line? So that way they have direct access to that manufacturer and they may have exclusivity on North America, for example. We are seeing that a lot, that brands are picking up an exclusive product line. So that can help control some of the supply chain a little bit more. I think then there's the reverse of if you have something that's not a commodity, then you have tons of manufacturers that you can turn to for that product. And then we see brands that are bringing some of their manufacturing in-house so they can completely control anything with supply chain. Or they're pre-purchasing large amounts. So some brands that need vehicles or specially suited machines, things of that nature, they're pre-purchasing a surplus of them to service X amount of franchisees so that when they bring those franchisees on, they're already ready with the equipment. And I think that's a major plus when brands have that type of financial buying power that they can mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. That when we go out and we meet with brands and we're vetting their leadership team, we're vetting them from a culture standpoint, but we also dig into do they have the financial wherewithal to support franchisees? Some of that is infrastructure, technology, marketing, but a big piece of that is exactly what you're talking about. Are they able to bulk purchase inventory or bulk purchase vehicles on the front end or begin manufacturing before those products are needed. So I think that is certainly a huge one. And I think that goes back to, Brittany, to inflation and all the things that we're talking about there because that's one way to combat some of those rising prices and some of those different things is to purchase on the front side or in bulk 
for a discounted amount, passing that on to the franchisees, and therefore the inflation isn't as big of a deal as it is mm -hmm. for other companies. Mm -hmm. And then you're looking at it from a margin perspective. I think from a consumer standpoint, everything I'm doing is increasing. I get my hair done, that went up a little bit. I go to my favorite restaurant, the prices have increased. Unfortunately, as a society, prices are increasing. So can you increase your pricing to still be competitive in a marketplace, still be profitable in your business and still have customer satisfaction? So those are the things that we're trying to understand. You know, we want our clients to dig into validation and ask questions about supply chain, about inflation, about customer acquisition, about any concerns that they have, uh, even about personnel. So those are things that we really try to provide support on is understanding from the franchisee's perspective what their pain point is with these items and, and maybe how the franchisor is supporting them during these. And so, you know, Sam, as I think about other conversations that I am having with clients, something that is coming up quite a bit is, you know, how should I think about this from an investment standpoint? Will this impact my portfolio? Where should I pull this money from? What should my best strategy be? Are you having any of those conversations with clients of how they should think about investing in franchises? Yeah, I think the first question really that it hits me or the first thought that would hit me on that is I think the fact that we now have clients who before we explain franchising as an investment vessel are coming to us looking at it that way, which is really exciting because I think even last year we were explaining it as, as an investment strategy. But when the stock market is high or you can still get a deal in real estate, it can be hard or SBA loans are taking nine months to process. It can be really hard to think about this as an investment strategy. So I think it's exciting that, you know, we've closed that gap. And some of that I think is referral business for us that we're getting clients sent to us from investors that we already work with that understand the power of it. You know, I think the first thing that I've heard probably the very most is I am watching my money in the market. And I am mm -hmm. watching my money continue, whether it's 401k money, whether it is stocks, whether it's, you know, independently owned things, go down. The value, my stocks have gone down. My value of that money in the market has gone down. And very readily people are saying, I don't know if it's going to go down more. Are we going to have a soft landing? Are we going to have a crash landing? What is this going to look like? What I do know is that I trust myself more than leaving my money there. I would bet on myself a little bit more. And I think that people are feeling more empowered to roll over a 401k, to divest some of their money from the stock market, and take a chance on themselves to start a business because at this point in time, it does feel safer to them mm -hmm. than staying in the market and, you know, riding the wave of whatever else is going on there. Well, I think most people before they speak with us and before we introduce them to funding partners, the majority of people don't realize that you can roll over your 401k or most IRA accounts. 
And so they don't even have that on their radar as a strategy. They just think they have to have cash in their bank account. So that's number one. I'm constantly having those conversations. And then I'm also having conversations with people about, you know, the value in taking on some debt service and why most of our clients view that as an option and you don't have to spend all of your cash. So that's a piece of it. But then I think the other piece is exactly what you're saying. Let's not put all of my eggs in one basket. I don't have as much control over the market. Our clients are really talented, high caliber individuals that have led teams that know how to scale somebody else's business. So I think they're feeling more empowered to say, I can do that for somebody else. Why don't I put my money to work and do that for me? And then lastly, I think people have this misconception that it has to be one or the other. And I think especially for you know, single income families, if a spouse is staying at home, that can be scary of we don't want to give up our lifestyle. We've got kids in school. We've got kids going off to college. We don't want to make those changes. But I think we've done a really nice job of educating people, giving them opportunities that truly have semi-absentee capabilities. So you can have a little bit of both. Keep your real estate property leave some money in the market, invest in yourself and keep your job. You can have it all with the right tools in place, building the right infrastructure. You've got to have a manager. You've got to have working capital. Yes. So we coach them through, make sure you have the right tools, but I totally think you can have it all. And I think people are excited to invest in themselves, bet on yourself. And I think one other thing, you have to have the willingness to work. I mean, I think you hit on that early in this podcast was a lot of times people say it's three to four hours a week. It's this, it's that. If you're going to get the ROI that you want, then it's going to be a little bit more time. You're going to have more headaches than you will by leaving your money in the market. You know, I, I just talked to a gentleman today and he's a real estate investor and that's what he's he's done. It's how he spent a lot of his time. It's how he's made a lot of his money. And he said, anybody that tells you that real estate investing is passive is a BSer. There's just no way or they've never owned real estate property. And mm -hmm. he said, I'm always, when somebody talks about passive income, he's like, it's not real estate. And he's like, so I'm glad that you said that about franchising right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Because if the toilet overflows, somebody's cleaning up whatever came out of it. <laughs> And even if you have a management company, if the floorboards rot out or something goes through the floor, who do you think they're calling to make that choice? Who's investing back into that property? Yes. And so it hit me. That's the same with franchising. You know, it's a very similar model. And I think that's why we're getting so many real estate investors coming to us because right now there's not really a deal to be had in real estate or if people are looking to make a commercial real estate purchase why not start the franchise or one of the businesses or two of the businesses that are going to go in there? You know, we do mm -hmm. have people coming to us that are doing build. They want to own the dirt. And so we're looking at larger scale concepts. We're looking at salon suite type models. We're working with them on a few different things. Uh, we've got a model right now that is fantastic that a client of yours purchased in Denver where they can own the dirt and it's a really immense tax write-off as well. So, I, I do think there are not necessarily deals to be had in residential real estate, and that's turning off some investors. But 
commercially, we can still, there's still some stuff there, but it's a sure bet if you know what business is going in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I, I like that you brought that up again about, you know, it's going to take work. I always think about for me personally, for my family, my investments, I would have a little bit, would rather have a little bit of short term pain where I'm having to sacrifice hours and work late nights and work some weekends for long term gain. I mean, that is how I think about it. If I can just have a little bit of extra work on my plate, a little bit of extra pain for that long-term gain, I am all in. And I love that feeling that I, again, in our business and other business ventures that we have, that I can bet on myself. And that's a really awesome feeling. Yeah, I I don't think we're working like, you know, 40-hour work weeks right now, 20 hours, right, Britt? Just the semi pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we both were like, I'm working at 10 p.m. Can you check this for me? Because I don't know if I'm, I'm editing correctly at this point in time. <laughs> it's, it's interesting though too. I think the, the last thing that I've seen um, is really kind of getting back to, to business basics. And so people are really asking themselves, what type of business can I trust to take me for the long haul? And I think, you know, last year, like you said, very few brick and mortars. People were really heavily invested in, you know, home service concepts. And we're still seeing a lot of that. But we're definitely seeing that fear dissipate. Mm -hmm. People are leaving their house. There is a lot of precedence in wellness. There's a lot of precedence in different places. But we're seeing people look at these staple core businesses that people and consumers will be patrons of no matter the economy. And they're in all different categories right now. What are you seeing? Like, you know, let's not name them. Let's make everybody that's listening to this reach out to us and find out and pick our brains. <laughs> this is the call to action. If you're listening to this podcast, we want you to reach out and find out what our favorite concepts are. But Brittany, you go first. Give me some teasers. What are the hottest of the hot for you right now? Well, I started my career in the franchise space as a teenager, just working my way up through the restaurant industry, rolling my sleeves up, you know, hostess, server, bartender, manager, trainer, you name it. That's how I cut my teeth in franchising. And so when we moved to consulting, I was immediately like, I don't know about food um, because (laughs) I've seen the challenges in the food space. And still to this day, I'm like, big sit down, you know, fits 400 people in it, probably not interesting for me to show. But I've found myself really excited about a couple of food concepts because they are non-food food franchises. And what I mean by that is they are small footprint, small team, low overhead, not a bunch of food waste, high margin, recurring repeat revenue, they check so many boxes that traditional food doesn't. So there's two in particular that I think about. One is brick and mortar, but it's smaller footprint, no grease, no hoods, no ducks, nothing that a traditional food franchise has. They're able to compensate employees higher than the average restaurant would. They've got some unique elements from a recruitment, retention, and compensation plan structure. The majority of their business is takeout, so they weren't impacted during COVID. So that's one concept I love. 
The other one is a food truck or technically a food cart. Highest margins I've ever seen in any franchise in my lifetime. And they have really cool differentiators in that they are event focused. And so there's a strong B2B element. Many of our clients come from a B2B world, and so they're drawn to something that has B2B components. And so I think that one checks a lot of boxes. Food is simple, made to order, streamlined, just a couple of products. So you don't have food waste. Very, very, very small team. So food is exciting me a little bit, and I never <laughs> thought that I would say that. And then- well, People um, always eat. Right. Yes. I think yes. I shared that on this podcast before, but my husband was president of Nestle's baking division. And he said, when people are happy, they eat cookies. When people are sad, they eat cookies. When people are rich, <laughs> they eat cookies. When people are poor, they eat cookies. So guess what? It's a pretty great staple is any kind of food because no matter what we're going through, you got to eat. You bet. You bet. Absolutely. You get that tub of ice cream, whether you're happy or sad, for sure. <laughs> Preferably, Helados Mexico. Can If anyone would like to, you know, pay to sponsor us, <clears throat> my husband now. So, <laughs> looking for a sponsorship on this podcast. <laughs> I love it. I'll leave that in here for free this time, this time only. <laughs> so that's food. Um Outside of food, like my roots, what I was raised in, in my household, what I was raised in on the business side once I left the restaurant was service concepts. I love a dirty service concept. Most people want sexy when they come to us, and I think they're missing out if they don't consider service. And I think there's two paths right now. I have a concept that I love that is recurring revenue. So it's smaller ticket price, but it's recurring revenue, multiple revenue streams. You capture the customer for one thing in their yard, and then you can capture them for the rest. Cross-marketing, repeat business, very turnkey system by a powerhouse franchisor. And then you have the other end of things. We've got another concept that is an essential service. So it's something that a homeowner needs regardless of what's going on in the economy. It has insurance elements to it. So again, you're not reliant on the economy and it's big average ticket price, which people absolutely love. So service-based businesses, I would say is something that is near and dear to my personal heart and that I show often. What about you, Sam? What are you showing? Those are my two buckets. Well, I have a few things up my sleeve as well. You touched on food. I do. I know which food concept she was talking about. So, <laughs> but I also, I love those. But I will tell you, I think you started out with your background is in food. My background is in health and nutrition. And I came up through franchising that way, brick and mortar nutrition stores. It's always very close to the way I live my life is in health and wellness. And there's a few things right now. We've got a concept that is kind of a catch-all. It is really focusing on aesthetics. It's focusing on vitality. It's focusing on, I think, a very, very underserved area, which is hormone replacement therapy. And I definitely think that brands of that nature where you've got the the multi-service in one place 
are going to be massive and continue to serve people. You know, that's a that's a really big one for me right now is just focusing in on that because I do think, you know, two years ago, three years ago at this time, we weren't staring ourselves down all day long, basically a mirror, aka Zoom, Teams, <laughs> whatever you're doing. I didn't know that the tip of my nose was maybe one-fourth of a centimeter more to the left than it than <laughs> it was to the right. You know, I didn't you don't realize those things because you're not staring at yourself day in, day out. And I think everybody is, and they're making a move to get things taken care of, you know, and and people want to look better, but also they want to feel better. And I think we're seeing right now, the other brand that I'm talking about is it's on the wellness horizon. You know, I think about 2015, 2016, we talked a lot about boutique fitness. It was on the rise. It was this horizon. I think we're seeing the rise of boutique wellness right now. And I think it's a wide open space. I think People are more interested than ever in anti-aging for their bodies and different wellness practices to have longevity, not just longevity of of being 100 years old, but the longevity of feeling 50 when you're 100. And so there's one right now that's got hot and cold therapy intermittently. Um, You know, that's something my husband and I both do and love, um, you know, competitively, who can take the longest cold showers, things of that nature. But I do think hot and cold therapy and anti-inflammation, some of those things, those are really big right now. And I think we're going to continue to see growth in those arenas. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, the last things are, I always say the riches are in the niches and it is definitely some, there's two niche businesses. One is fueled by insurance you cannot, if there's a catastrophic event or a non-catastrophic event, you know, like the leaky toilet in a rental place, one of these businesses services that typically paid for by insurance. And so I do think some of those businesses, they're never going away. It doesn't matter what the economy is like. And then the other really truly is a niche business that I think you know, I, I we've talked about it many times on this podcast. It's it's serving municipalities, businesses. It's B two B, which our clients love because they're comfortable in that segment. And I think between those four businesses, I would say that really takes care of the ones that I think I'm most passionate about right now. Yeah, I mean, I think wellness is what boutique fitness was a decade ago. I mean, we see yeah. that as booming. Again, people are not afraid of brick and mortar. They're excited about it. And so many of our clients are in B2B businesses in their day jobs. So it's just, it, it, it translates well for them. They just get it. It clicks. So I mean, we have some really exciting concepts that we have talked about today. And try to just give a little flavor to our listeners of what are our clients thinking about? What's on the forefront of their mind as they make investments this year? And really, what are we doing to help support all of their questions and their desires and their goals and what they're looking for? You know, this is the stuff that I think you and I are both so excited about. I think the best way to summarize it is to first say, who is our client? I think we have an executive client. I think we have a client that maybe isn't leaving corporate America quite yet, but they want that on-ramp. 
they really want the off ramp. They don't want it to be a catastrophic event if they do a speed bump, not a cliff. And so for those people, they're typically looking for a few things, high margins, low overhead as they continue to grow, the ability to scale. They want small teams. And I think we'll say it again, niche businesses. They want something that everybody isn't involved in. And I think with that, Britt, that's the summary on who they are and what they want. So if that fits you and you're listening to this or someone that you know, we would love the opportunity to work with you. Absolutely. Well, it's good to finally see you, Sam. I hope that you have a great day. Enjoy your client calls. You as well, sister. So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the FranPath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at FranPath, Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting. Or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com, to take your free business assessment. Mm-hmm.